Mr. Knoxville, hello, how are you? Good, how are you, sir? I'm okay. Um, they were telling me, but I'm not sure. Is this your first time on NPR? I believe it is, yes. Wow. Well, yeah. look at that. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Okay, okay. Feeling good. It won't be that bad. And, and honestly, this is the most... Of all the shows at NPR, we are the most in line with the spirit and ethos of Jackass, I would say. Well, that's wonderful to hear. Hey, y'all, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders, and my guest today is the one and only Johnny Knoxville. So I should probably say two things up front about this episode. One, this is fittingly enough our 500th episode, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And two, this one is full of explicit language. Full of it. I mean, if you've ever seen Jackass, you kind of know what you're in for. For the past 20-some years, Johnny and his crew have been offering up their pain for our entertainment. First on MTV, then in the movies. Problem. Is this the worst you've ever had to go boom boom? No, no. <laughs> My pants at the fair. And Johnny's latest and perhaps best film, Jackass Forever, directed by Jeff Tremaine. It opened at number one at the box office last month. I saw Jackass Forever in theaters, and it took me right back to the before times. Abnormal, but it's normal. There's this moment early on in the film where I can already tell that I'm vibing with this woman like two seats down. She's with her boyfriend, but he's like afraid to laugh, but she wants to laugh. And I was like, girl, I will laugh with you. And there's this moment early on where we're both looking and we're like, huh? And she's like, huh? And I'm like, huh? And then I think we both say at the same time, oh, my God. That Godzilla, it's a d- <laughs> And we both crack up. And it was so surreal. But my soul was just like, ah, I miss this. I miss, like, connecting with the rando at the movie theater. And you gave me that, so thanks. Oh, that's great. You know, our movies are, are like that. Steve-O described it as like, if you're going on a roller coaster, you don't want to sit on a roller coaster alone. There you you want to be on it with everyone else. And Jackass is a roller coaster of a film. It, you feel a lot of different emotions during the course of a Jackass film. Didn't I warn you? Explicit language all over this episode. Dear listener, it does not end. It will actually get worse. Anywho, for me, growing up, Jackass was this rare depiction of earnest male bonding. I know there were pranks involving all kinds of body parts and body fluids, but there was also a sense of closeness and camaraderie among men that felt pure and kind. Seriously. Later on in this chat, you'll hear Johnny Knoxville talk about that and some other deep stuff. It's actually quite tender. But also, keep in mind, it's Jackass, and Jackass is called Jackass for a reason. Tell me if it's a spoiler to explain what I was just talking about. No, you can explain whatever. Let's talk about whatever. Okay, so the opening of the movie is what looks like a big Godzilla scene of destruction. Godzilla (laughs) coming in, screwing up the town, effing things up. And then you realize a few seconds in that Godzilla is actually Chris Pontius's green-painted 
penis and right. testicles. <laughs> it's a huge portion of our franchise is his penis. Who had the idea of to make the penis a Godzilla? Well, it's it's it was the we combined two <laughs> ideas. We always wanted to. I think since the last film, we talked about doing a, a Godzilla type style opening. Okay. And I had another idea where I wanted to put Pontius's penis in a hula skirt and make it a dancing girl and have someone puppeteer that. <laughs> and I was meeting with Derek Freda, one of our producers, and he's like, combine those ideas. That we all jumped on board. And then everyone else comes in and colors in the outline of the idea. So that's literally when it gets really in the penis. Yeah, literally. <laughs> that's when it really gets good is when everyone starts touching the idea. <laughs> Does anyone ever say no? It feels like a very yes and environment. To some of the ideas? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they will say no in the beginning, but Jeff has a way of taking them aside and either bulldogging them into doing it or being their buddy and like really talking to them and coming at them another way. He can come at you a number of different ways and you're going to end up doing it because ultimately everybody wants footage and everybody likes pleasing Jeff. Okay. So even if they don't want to do it, they know that that fear is going to make it a great bit. Was there a good one that either y'all said no to for this movie or didn't make the cut that you wish we could have seen? God, there's, well, there's 4.5, right? We shoot so much. We have to shoot more than double of what makes the wow. film just because you never know wow. what's going to work. At, that's why we always have a 0.5, like Jackass 3.5 or Jackass 4.5. And that's where you get to see a lot of the ideas that didn't make the movie. And not because they weren't strong enough. In this movie, there was so much penis. Like, we got to slide some of that penis into 4.5 because <laughs> there's only so much you can put in a film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to talk more about specifics of the movie and the history of Jackass, but I, I feel like I have to ask, and I'm just curious, do you keep track of all of your injuries? I've heard that you've had 16 concussions over the years. Do you keep a tally of all of the things? Uh, the concussions I keep an eye on, uh, the rest of the things, if you ask me how many bones I broke, I, I couldn't tell you. How do you feel about having 16 concussions? Well, I think it'd be better if I had zero concussions, but <laughs> doing what I do, I don't think there's any way around it. And, you know, the last one was really with the bull, the bull magician, that one really honestly scrambled my brain for a few months. Uh, well, there was a hemorrhage on top of the concussion, right? Yeah, like right. And so I spent the weekend in the hospital, and it took a few months for my brain to reset. And plus, you get concussions. I, I think what boxers call a glass jaw now. You have so many KOs, then it's easier to knock you out moving forward. Oh, God. There was a, a great Harry Cruz book called The Knockout Artist, and it was about a boxer in New Orleans. But he would go to these, like, swanky New Orleans artsy parties and knock himself out for everyone. Ugh. That was his party trick. And I guess that was, you know, I guess I'm semi like that character in the book. That was my party trick on film. Uh, you know, speaking of this running with the bull that you have in the newest Jackass movie... To set it up, you are standing in front of a charging bull 
which then charges you and flips you, you spin in the air before you land on your head. On top of the concussion and the brain hemorrhage, you sustained a broken wrist, broken ribs, uh, and you had to go on antidepressants for a while because your brain was that shaken up. Yeah, you could see in the footage, okay, there's the broken wrist, there's the broken rib, and the head finally makes impact, and that's where it gets crazy. I was out for over a minute and snoring, and and when you're snoring, my doctor said, that's you just trying to swallow your tongue. Oh, God. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. That's happened that's a few times. That's happened a few times. Are you going to stop? Is this the last movie? Is that the last run-in with the Charging Bull? Like, are you done? Um, we could make another film, but if we did, I would do my best to sit next to Jeff Tremaine behind the camera and let the younger people... Because, I, I mean, I have children, and I just can't... I can't have another concussion like that because I've already had too many. Uh, so it's it, it, it does hurt my heart that I will never be in the ring with a bull again because I love them so much. But I get it, <laughs> and I have nothing to prove. Like, I feel like I've done it. You know, I can move on to another chapter in my life. Coming up, a brief history of Jackass and the one prank that shut down production. For those who might not know, how did Jackass version 1.0 come to be? Way back in, what was it, 2000, 2002? Yeah. 2000, 2000. 2000, I guess. Um, I was writing for magazines, and there was an article I wanted to do on self-defense equipment where I tested... Uh, I got pepper sprayed, taser gun, stun gun, and then I was going to shoot myself in the chest while wearing a bulletproof vest with a thirty-eight revolver. Can I pause you right there and say you you say that like it's just the kind of pitch that every writer comes up with. It's not. <laughs> um, right, right. What made you want to do that story? I was watching the news one night, and I saw some guy, some nut on there, get pepper sprayed. And I thought it was so interesting and so watchable. I'm like... Why don't I just do a whole bunch of things to myself for an article? Because I was, you know, I was so taken with Hunter S. Thompson and uh, participatory journalism. And I was shopping that idea to a number of magazines, and a lot of them wanted it, but they wanted to treat it like a negative pickup and bring it to us when you're done mm. because of the gun. And, but I didn't have any <laughs> money at the time, right? I didn't yeah. have any money to buy a stun gun or a taser gun. And I spent the money... My mom gave me that Christmas $300 on the cheapest bulletproof vest they made. But the cheapest, sir? The cheapest? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that's all I could afford. <laughs> the one magazine that said we'll do it was Jeff Tremaine's skateboarding magazine, who became, you know, director of Jackass and created Jackass along with me, Spike, and Spike Jones. So Jeff said, we'll pay for the article, and why don't you film this, too? And from there, Jeff and I talked, and I was trying to get something off the ground, anything, because I had a daughter, like a young daughter, that I was trying to... That's why I even started writing articles. Yeah. And so then you have this video that you make for the magazine story, for this skating magazine, where you're testing the effectiveness of pepper spray and a stun gun and a, and a taser and a bulletproof vest by shooting yourself. Mm -hmm. And this video, before the Age of the Vile video kind of goes viral it makes the rounds people are watching it saying oh this is interesting yeah and then who showed a version of that video to mtv well 
Like as soon as I got footage of that video, I made so many copies and I would just send it to whoever I thought could help me. I remember a guy I knew, knew Hunter S. Thompson, and I was such a huge fan of Hunter. I mean, he sent it to him, and he called me. And to this <laughs> Wait, really? day, that was one of the greatest calls of my life. He called what did me he say? Uh, he just you know, introduced himself and said how much he loved it. And I, I was, for a guy that came out from Tennessee who was working minimum wage jobs, it just meant so much to me that one of my heroes just called me over something I did. So I, I started doing that, just sent it to everybody. And Jeff and I talked and Jeff says, look, I went to high school with Spike Jones in Maryland. Why don't we call and see if he wants to be a part of it? Huh. And as soon as Spike Jones gets on board, because Jeff and I are two dopes, right? But as soon as Spike <laughs> Jones gets on board, these two dopes may know something. And then MTV says, let's do it. And we know the rest. Yeah. Um, Jackass hits MTV in 2000. And it is a hit right from the start. And I remember MTV didn't just run episodes of Jackass. They ran episodes of Jackass all the time. Right. There was a moment where I saw Johnny Knoxville on MTV more than I saw Janet Jackson or Mariah Carey or whoever was right. on top of the charts at that moment. It was how, how crazy years, was that? For ten years they ran it. Wow. Constantly. What did that I mean, like how did you like what was the experience? That's a big question, I know, but like it must have been surreal. Oh, everything was surreal, right? Um we didn't think it was gonna be a TV show. We thought no one was gonna watch it. The, it almost got shut. It got shut down during the pilot because of a prank we did. So we Which had. Prank? I dressed up in a orange L.A. County uh, convict outfit. Today I'm going to be an escapee from the L.A. County jail and go into a hardware store and see if they'll lend me a hacksaw. And I was out of breath and I was like, "Oh God, can you help me get these cuffs off to everyone in the place?" And <laughs> and then they just. They evacuated the place, oh my God. and I realized I'm in here performing for nobody, right? Because everyone's outside. So I walk outside. As soon as I walk outside, four carloads of cops pull up. Shut up. Because I don't belong there. What is this one about? That's a microphone. For what? Because we're uh, filming. You're filming? Yes, ma'am. All have their guns on me. That happened like five or six times. I had guns, multiple guns pulled on me five or six times filming Jackass over the years. So I immediately got on the ground. <laughs> and the first cop on the scene, she got out of her car to engage me, but she forgot to put her car in park. And so it runs into a telephone pole right in front of me. And you can hear me on the ground go, oh, no. <laughs> Holy shit. Because now they have, they're armed, and now they're angry. God. And she told me, she said, if, if you would have moved on the ground, I was going to put the bullet in your ear. But I had no uh, ambitions of Listen, moving. Let me tell you, you were lucky to be a white guy in that situation. It's totally. We couldn't have been, <laughs> it's not even whew. a joke. Like, you can't be a person of color, and we couldn't have done that prank. And we've talked about that. Like, 
we couldn't have done that prank. Yeah. It's funny to hear you talk about that prank itself because, and, I, and I'm sure you've seen it because you're friends with Eric, one of the scenes in his prank movie from last year, Bad Trip, has Tiffany Haddish in an orange prison convict jumpsuit playing an escaped convict herself. Yeah. Well, Eric And is, it was... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I, 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 I love... I'm a huge fan of Tiffany Haddish's. And Eric, I love the guy, you know, that he wanted to be in Jackass. And he wrote one of the bits for pranks for Jackass. Yeah. Uh, it just... He really elevated the movie being in it. So I'm super appreciative to him. So back to that first prank of you back in 2000, dressed up like an escaped convict uh, with the cops getting called on you. Right. That, that, that is got oh, our go production shut down because our, one of our associate producers got arrested and the guy that owned the hardware store wouldn't sign a release. MTV right. couldn't shoot in the city of West Hollywood for the next 10 years because of that prank. <laughs> we screwed it up for everybody. When you, so the show, it premieres on MTV in 2000. It's a runaway hit from the start. They're playing those shows all the time. But a show that you would assume MTV would want to keep in production forever, it only filmed and aired 24 episodes. Why yeah. so short? We ended up doing 26 because there was two specials. Okay. We were okay. only, only on the air around nine to ten months. We lasted about as long as the Sex Pistols on TV. Um, <laughs> and there, it was a, an election year, and we had, unfortunately, some copycat incidents. And Joseph Lieberman, a senator from Connecticut, oh, yeah. made it his platform to be tough on Hollywood. That was what it was important to him. Senator Lieberman, uh, you've raised concerns about the uh, MTV's Jackass program. Yeah. Uh, he came down hard on the network. Lieberman called me out personally. Where that particular program uh, encouraged, uh, happened to be a young man in Connecticut to uh, light his clothes on fire. The network, and, uh, they ended up signing an OSHA person to our show saying, we can't jump off anything more than four feet high or this or that. <laughs> and like Jackass is silly and absurd, but it means something to me. And I, I didn't see a way to do the show with all these restrictions. So I quit. And finally, I think maybe David Gale from MTV Films said, why don't you guys do a movie? Huh. And Spike and Jeff brought it to me and said, why don't we do a film? And I'm like, what? I don't get it. Like, we're going to have people play us. And they're like, no, let's just do a naughty version of what we do. And that I understood. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and also, Johnny Knoxville is on NPR right now. Guess who isn't? Joe Lieberman. <laughs> well, I don't have any ill feelings towards it's Joseph okay Lieberman. You, you can have a little I, I bit. I don't. Like, right. I released it. You know, it's like. Wow. Doesn't help the situation. Doesn't, you know, you got to release. Johnny Knoxville and the Jackass School of Radical Acceptance. Yes. I love it. <laughs> My favorite tidbit about Joe Lieberman and his crackdown on Jackass and the OSHA representative who was required to be on Jackass shoots. And correct me on this if I'm wrong, but at one point, the OSHA rep said that if you're going to do this puke omelet, which is an omelet recipe y'all did where someone had to vomit the ingredients of the omelet into a 
frying pan, mm-hmm. the OSHA rep said, well, you got to be sure to cook the puke omelet to a safe temperature. Yeah, that totally, <laughs> totally took place. You're 100% accurate. And we had already filmed this bit. We were in Florida, and it was a rainy day, and we hadn't all the stuff we were going to do outside, we couldn't do, and we had nothing to shoot. And Dave England said, well, I can eat all the ingredients for an omelet and puke them up into a, a frying pan. He and, just had that idea randomly? Yeah. And <laughs> so we're like, great, let's film it. And then Steve-O ate the omelet. And it was so funny because it was so half-assed and thrown together like all of our stuff. But when we submitted to the network, you know, we now had the OSHA guy and he said that it wasn't cooked to a certain temperature. They're like, you can film it again, but you have to like have a thermometer there and you have to be in hazmat suits. And first of all, we're like, screw that. We can't, that just sucks the energy out of what we do. But then we're like, that is so ridiculous that we take a, such a stupid idea and we have to cook it to a certain temperature and we have to be in hazmat suits. So we kind of made it part of the gag. I want everyone not in a hazmat suit back against the wall. So Dave can make an omelet. But it wasn't as funny as the first time we filmed it, but you work within your constraints sometimes, you know? Okay, coming up, we graduate from the Johnny Knoxville School of Radical Acceptance. You know, one of the things that I've always kind of wondered about your show and all the jackass movies and a thing that I felt from the beginning watching that show was a 16 year old back in 2000. I was a very closeted 16 year old mm-hmm. watching y'all and thinking uh, this seems hella gay and I think I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it was crass, but there were butts and there were private parts and there were bodies and nudity and men interacting in ways that could be construed as vaguely sexual that's how um, we felt. It's like, this is kind of gay, and we like it. Wh- what was the deal with that? Jackass has always felt kind of gay, kind of gay I, baby. I, yeah, it's like wonderful that way. And we're, we're so <laughs> happy and proud to have a very large gay audience. And also, it's like, we also like doing it because when we started Jackass, it was a different atmosphere, Right. Yeah, and Eminem was still saying faggot. Yeah, it was. It was those times. We liked secret, not so secretly, like making all the uh, people that were homophobic uncomfortable. It's like this is what you get for being so small minded. <laughs> like, yeah, because all of us are like one thousand percent inclusive, and it just became a big part of uh, Jackass. When you, so when the show starts, it was just kind of gay-ish from the start. Was that like? It just, it just happened. Meetings, it wasn't, it just no, happened? It, was, it was not something like we intellectualized, like, well, we're going to really stick it to all the homophobes. It just instantly became gay. And <laughs> My favorite kind of gay. And it just, just it, <laughs> it was instantly and naturally gay from the beginning. And we fully embraced it and because there was nothing we could do about it because that's, that's just how it came out. Yeah. What do uh, I mean, have queer fans talk to you about this besides myself, who was like, one, thank you for your service. But like, <laughs> what do your gay watchers say? Um, yeah, I've read uh, I've seen a lot of nice things in the press about uh, this writer watched Jackass, the first Jackass. And it ended up 
helping her become like uh, more comfortable being transgender. And I thought like, man, if we, if that's all we ever did, like I'm happy. Uh, If we can make someone more comfortable in their own skin and in this crazy world, like I'm good. Um, Yeah. So it's, it really was a moving article to read. Yeah. Do you, have you, over the course of the jackass run, some 20 years now, have you ever regretted any of the stunts? Um, God, there's been... I, I don't have a, a lot of regrets, but I mean, if we went... I figured you'd if, say that. <laughs> if, if, but if we went through them, I'm sure we'd find something. I'd go, ah, yeah, probably wouldn't want to do that again. You don't regret this last bull charge where you had the brain hemorrhage? No. Why not? Because I'm okay now, and it was great footage. Um, (laughs) The producer side of me overrides the performer side of me. Uh. You know, I'm like, Uh. oh, I don't know about this one. And the producer side is like, we need the footage. I'm like, okay. It's a good tape. Yeah. Is it good tape? Then get that tape. I get yeah. that. Okay. Okay. I read that you've been going to therapy since like 2006. Mm-hmm. But that in all that therapy, you never allow yourself to talk about the stunts with your therapists. Right. Why not? I didn't want that part of me fixed because, I mean, this is what I do. Right? If I suddenly... Mm-hmm have an awareness of why I'm doing this. If I really get under the hood, I'm probably going to stop doing it. And um, I just didn't want that side of me fixed. And they, wow. they respected that boundary. And yeah. now I can get under the hood. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think would change if you did talk to your therapist about the stunts? It, 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 while, like, over the years? Yeah, or even now. Well, and now it would probably be a healthy conversation, right? Yeah. But over, over the years, I just didn't want to mess with anything that was going to upset my role in Jackass. So will you do it now? Is there a world after Jackass with 4.5 where you're like, okay, mental health professional, I'm ready to talk about it? Uh... Yeah, I kind of have an idea of why I do what I do or did what I you did. You have an idea? Will you tell me? Um, you know, it definitely has to do with, I think, self-worth and, and magical mm. thinking and uh, a pleasing aspect mm. of me and needing that validation uh, in thinking that maybe that's the only way I can get it. Uh, and I think I was it, addicted to doing the, the crazier stunts, honestly. Um, mm. There was an addiction there that I needed to be the guy to put everything on the line and everything that came along with that. Um, Sounds like you don't need the therapist. You're already there, man. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've reached the shore. <laughs> 
So then this Johnny Knoxville of today talking to me who has reached the shore and has perhaps begun to think about why you've been doing what you've been doing for 20 years. What would you tell the Johnny Knoxville just starting out 20 years ago? Um, you know, I'm really good at creating chaos on set, right? And there was a, a lot of chaos in my childhood Fun chaos and some not so fun chaos. So I think I would pull young Johnny aside and try to be more specific where I created chaos. Um, because, you know, uh, I, I needlessly created some along the way. Yeah. Last question for you because we're almost at the hour. Um, I talked with your friend Eric Andre last year about his movie Bad Trip. Mm -hmm. And one of the big themes of that movie was that the average passerby, the average Joe out there in the world, they're good and they want to help. And there's all these scenes where Eric Andre is out there acting a fool. And you see in the movie, everyday people are more than ready to help him and not laugh at him or hurt him or pile on. Right. And that was this beautiful, poignant thing in this like crass prank movie. People are good, right? That was a big moral of that story. Right. And I know that you have said in other interviews, please don't try to intellectualize jackass. It's just stunts. I'm just doing stunts. But if Johnny Knoxville right now had to apply some bigger idea to jackass, some moral to the story, some universal truth about all of us that this show and these movies reveal, what would it be? Um... It's not about the stunts or the pranks. It's more about friendship and the relationship and the spirit of this group. Uh, It's absurd and it's ridiculous and it gets very dangerous. But there's a lot of heart that runs through Jackass and I feel that that's why we still have fans to this day is people like hanging out with us and we remind them of the things they did in their childhood. So it's like it's jackass is not only a family. Our fans are part of the family and we've done a lot of growing up over the years together and I hope we keep growing up together. Yeah. I love that. You know, I watching the movie last night, there were these moments where these dirty men who had just almost killed each other <laughs> like smashed their penises like a pancake or had a falcon eat meat off their genitalia <laughs> or drunken milk on a roller coaster, projectile vomiting. And there'll be these moments after those stunts and those pranks where one of the guys will look at the other guys and just say, I love you. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And you are in this strange, beautiful way in the jackass cinematic universe. You're modeling a version of male friendship that is extremely pure and extremely loving without shame around it. And as one guy to another, I thank you for that. Oh, I thank well, you that, for that. That, that, that means a lot. Um, there's a lot of love in Jackass. It's, it's not evident when you're just... But you sit back and think about it. 
Like all the things we talked about today, it's like we are 1,000% inclusive and just we love each other and you feel that. And, and it's like all skate. It, this world, yeah. it's all skate, man. It's yeah. not them versus us. or It's like everyone's in this together. Like yeah. sooner we figure that out, drop your petty like yes. thoughts or... Yeah. It's all love. Everyone's getting their d- smashed. It's all love. Hug it's it out. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks again to my guest, Johnny Knoxville. His film, Jackass Forever, is in theaters now. This episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Janae West and edited by Jordana Hochman. All right, listeners, don't forget this Friday we are back with another episode. And we want to hear the best thing that happened to you all week. Just record yourself and email the file to samsanders at npr.org. That's samsanders at npr.org. All right, till Friday, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon.